0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is the Kingsman, not the King's Man, but the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from what I watch tonight.co.uk. Matt, how's it going, sir?
1: Oh, from everything I've heard, I don't want to be said i don't want to be the King's Man. Oh, I'd rather be Kingsman. Um I Yes, it. my
0: friend. Hey,
1: oh, there we go. I haven't seen it. It comes out. Rrr, in a few days time here. I'm not sure I'm going to give up any time over Christmas to rush out to see it, but I will do. But, um, it's nice to be back talking films with, uh, JB. It's been a, been a rough few weeks and months and it still continues to be. So however, the power of movies and the power of John Burke is enough to soothe even the heaviest of mine. So looking forward to <laughs> looking forward to talking about tonight's film as I was looking forward to watching tonight's film. But
0: before that, I
1: must ask, have you been keeping Florida safe? Are you well?
0: Uh, you know we're we're doing well here. I'm over on uh, Christmas vacation right now. the one of the perks of being a teacher is we get some time off. Uh, but I am knee deep in screeners, which uh, listeners <laughs> you'll hear about what I've been watching when we get to that. Um, and a couple of the screeners that I got though were in person, one of which I got to see the movie we're talking about today a couple days early, which was a kind of surreal experience for me because um, it was a big big movie to see early uh, as many, many people, have been clamoring to, uh, to ask questions and see for themselves what this Spider-Man no way home was really all about because Mm. the trailers and the fan speculation had a lot of people clamoring to see this movie. And uh, I got to see it early and then I got to go and see it again, two days later with a large audience. So I will be kind of talking about those two things uh, when we get to our review. But, you know, otherwise that's all I'm really doing just this week. I'm watching movies and trying to relax a little bit nice
1: nice well uh he got christmas vacation off it's by the time this episode comes out uh the big man i don't mean john the other big man will be getting ready to fly around the world with a uh, sack full of presents so uh, this is our last show before christmas which is uh which is nice to think about i i have always loved christmas uh, i do miss not having a star war to watch over christmas but tonight's film probably made up in terms of scope and size
0: um Boba
1: Fett comes out soon, though, right? Like, isn't it? Book of Boba Fett comes out in terms of when this show drops. With it, it'll be out in five days, Wednesday oh, okay. the twenty eighth, twenty so Right something. after
0: Hawkeye, basically. Hawkeye ends, and then we're getting. Yeah, yeah. They're staggering their releases on Disney Plus. I, I wonder if I have access to that already, um, folks. I am in a new world of critic uh, where I'm getting things in advance, and it's messing with my mind. But uh,
1: well deserved.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, well, we're here. If you haven't caught wind, we're here today to talk about the newest entry into the MCU, Spider-Man: No Way Home, um, directed by John Watts, written by Chris McKenna, Eric Summers, of course, based on characters of Stan Lee and, and mm-hmm. Kirby and, and the Marvel pantheon, and realistically, Kevin Feige has his hands in yes. that uh, somewhere. Um, the movie has and Sony too. Don't forget. Of, yes. Oh, the the there one MCU film. And that Sony's savior uh, should be the freaking <laughs> claim for Disney because man, have they given Sony so much life because I don't know how much money they're getting off of this box office, but it's a good percentage.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Uh, and this has got to be Sony's highest grossing film, maybe all time. Um, by the That's end of That's an it,
1: interesting least, discussion. Yeah. I, I think it might be by the end of its run.
0: Um, but this movie has a huge cast. We have Tom Holland re- returning as Spider Man and Peter Parker, Zendaya as this ver- this universe's MJ, Jacob ba- uh, B- Battleon. Um, mm-hmm. Which I gotta ask, he's bald in all of his like photos. Like I, <laughs> you think I did? I, th- I I thought
1: that as well. Unless he's just got like extreme, um, extremely. Uh, uh, what's the word? I can think of the word prevalent follicles. You know, they're very stimulated follicles. Then he has, to, that has to be a wig, a hairpiece or something.
0: Cause it kind of looks bad is what I'm getting at. Like I, I kind of oh, yeah. just let him I be bald
1: for myself. Yeah. It's the kind of North Korean dictator look,
0: <laughs> but um, we got Benedict Cumberbatch as Dr. Strange. Uh, and then the big like marketing, this is not spoiler. Cause unless you've avoided trailers and posters, mm-hmm. we get Jamie Foxx reprising his role from the amazing Spider-Man movie. We get Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina reprising their roles from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies um, as Green Goblin and Doc Ock, respectively. Jamie Fox as Electro from Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, and in the trailers, they also reveal two other villains, although I think it's fair to note that how those villains appear in the movie in the trailer are CG. Uh, you have the lizard and you have Sandman. Um, yes. In all of the pre-movie release interviews, I saw Jamie Fox, I saw Willem Dafoe, I saw Molina. I never saw hind or tail. Is that the expression of um, the two oh, guys who played those characters? So I assumed uh, they would Thomas Jane
1: be. and Reese Efron's, isn't it? Oh, not Thomas seen. Jane. It's not Thomas Jane. No.
0: Who says it, his name? It's a long. It's three names. That's what I always Thomas, uh, Thomas Hayden Church. Tom, Tom, that's a Hayden Church. I always get mixed up with Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane's The Punisher, uh, which we Damn. probably won't get that version ever again. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I had not seen them in any of the press material or anything. Um, yeah, no. So I, I didn't know if they would actually be in this movie. And we're going to leave them as a mystery because this is a spoiler free talk, which of all the movies that we have reviewed on this <laughs> podcast, this will be the hardest to talk about without spoiling anything because yeah. so much of this movie is about the reveals. Are the questions. That fans have been clamoring and speculating about all year or two years, are they going to be true or false? And so we are not going to answer those questions here. We will address them in our spoiler section. But considering this movie is only a couple days old, if you haven't seen it for whatever reason, you're Mm -hmm. apparently one of the few who haven't, based on the numbers. Yes. Um, we don't want to reveal anything for you, so we will not talk about anything regarding the big questions. And I am going to address the questions: Uh, Is Tobey Maguire in this movie? Is Andrew Garfield in this movie? everyone was wanting to know nothing had been confirmed nothing had been denied by everybody many people denied many things um, but we're not going to say what if they're in it or not that's you need to see the movie or we we'll pretty to much spoilers. cover
1: what was anything in the trailers is pretty much fair game i think and other than that yes. nothing else
0: and it's still hard to talk about because yes. i think it's just it's just hard to talk about but no we're going to do our best to not spoil anything i hope we can succeed um, the premise of this movie, uh, if, it, it does spoil Far From Home, because the ending of Far From Home is that Mysterio re- releases a video through the da- Daily Bugle. We get to see J. Jonah Jameson for the first time in the MCU. J. K. Simmons. As, as J.K. Simmons is still, a different version of the character, more of an Alex <laughs> Jones, which is confirmed in this movie. Um, and he says Peter Parker Spider-Man. So that's th- mm-hmm. the movie literally cuts off there. It picks up. There, this movie starts right where Far From Home ended, it yeah. will jump ahead, but it starts right there. Um, so Peter is now revealed. MJ and him, a- and uh, what, what's his name? Nate, is it Nate? Ned. Ned, Ned, um, Come on, Ned man. are Ned. their lives are being impacted by this information. Mm-hmm. Um, so Peter asks Doctor Strange for help. This is the synopsis when a spell goes wrong, dangerous foes from other worlds start to appear, forcing Peter to discover what it truly means to be Spider Man. Those other foes we already mentioned, um, currently. And this was checked last night. 94% Rotten Tomato. I've seen 95 on, like, different critics things, but I think it's dropped a percentage. Um, a 72 Metascore, 9.0 IMDb user score, and a 4.4 on Letterboxd. Um, it is currently only available in theaters. It will, I think, will it be on Disney Plus at some point? It's harder to tell because mm. Sony has some controlling rights over that. I've um, got to but, imagine it will be at some point. Yeah, but it'll be a while. Like this movie's yeah. gonna have legs, uh probably eight of them. Um oh, well done, my friend. Well we yes. think so
1: unless unless these theaters are gonna close because of the new variants.
0: Well, here in Florida, I think our theaters will remain open. Um they might <laughs> start uh giving like you know and I don't know, dude. Florida's acting like it, like I keep hearing reports, and I'm always baffled because Florida, there's like nothing. Like I don't even think people are testing anymore here. Like it's, Damn. you know, um, I, I've heard nothing about it through any like every time I hear like I heard about Saturday Night Live had to like cancel yes. part of the recording because so many people tested positive. I'm like, it feels like I'm in a different planet than everybody else. And I, I'm not. <laughs> I want to be clear. I'm not denying that it exists. It's just, I am my surrounding areas are not acting like it exists and i am thus pr- only of. Av- oh that's the information i have available like when the when it first happened it was like all the time we were reporting things we were testing things numbers were coming out i've heard nothing about florida from any source and i'm just like yep damn um so i don't think theaters are going to close here is what i'm saying um uh, <laughs> but uh i saw this as i said twice right i saw it two nights before everyone else got to see it, I had to sit with my thoughts for two days with only about 10 people I could talk to about it that also saw it with me. And I had two days of classes before they, any of my students could see it. So I also <laughs> used that as like a, you better be quiet or I'm going to reveal information with the film, um, which I never would do, but it was still fun to like hold it over their head. But um, like, I would be like, Hey guys in the movie, Spider-Man swings. And, you know, um, (laughs) things that aren't real spoilers, I would drop, like, but make it sound like I was dropping information. Um, Anywho, uh, the second night, um, I got to go back to the theater two nights later to see the Matrix Resurrections, actually. But when I originally had plans to see Matrix Resurrections as a critic screening, my friend and editor at Burke Reviews, David, was coming with me to that. And then we were both like, well, Spider-Man comes out Thursday, we should just stay and go to Spider-Man right afterwards. Nice. Then I got the invite to do the critic screening, but he couldn't come with me. Like it was no guest allowed. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to bail on you. Well, I'll watch it again. It'll be cool to see it a second time. Anyways, I'm sure I'll want to, and I'll do my best to be poker face. So you have no idea what's coming. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: <laughs>
0: Which I did a great job. I want to point that out. I was very good, good friend. He even like went to ask me a question in the car and I, I was just like deadpan. Like Spider-Man is a hero in a movie that I saw. End of story. Um, and <laughs>
1: eyes forward.
0: So this time that I get to see it with almost a packed house, it's late. It's like 10 o'clock mm-hmm. when we get to go see this uh, in Orlando, but it's a packed house. Like one of the most packed theaters I've been to since the pandemic started. Yep. And while I enjoyed the critic screening, I was in an amazing auditorium for the critic screen. We got full, the, the largest IMAX in Florida. It's like the only real IMAX in the state of Florida. I got to see with only 20 people with me. Basically we had this giant IMAX theater to ourselves and it was a great way to see it, but seeing it in a much smaller auditorium packed was so much more fun because I got to hear the crowd react. And I knew when they were going to get information, right? Like I'm sitting there Mm -hmm. knowing all of the little plot points. And so I'm like, I'm like kind of corner my eye looking over at the guy to my right to see if he's like, Oh, he's going to be excited. And like when things play out, hearing the crowd, seeing the crowd, it was what movie going is supposed to be like. Everyone was, Mm -hmm. you know, positive everyone was reacting well people were having a blast with this movie and that's how i feel about this movie i love this film it could be my favorite mcu film Wow. Um, it it, i I, i'm spider-man is my favorite marvel character i uh he always has been and that's probably true for a lot right like i love wolverine too to be fair like wolverine is a character who i've always adored because i i was x-men and spider-man as a kid because we had the fox animated series i love both of those Mm -hmm. series um, I grew up with them and I, I was hooked immediately. I, I bought, I think the first comic I was subscribed to was X-Men and then amazing Spider-Man and Batman was always there, right? Like DC Batman was always like my, my number one because of Adam West and then Tim Burton, um, and Michael Keaton, but the, uh, spider mans just been a favorite. So, um, I liked the Raimi Spider-Man when it came out. I have obviously been very critical of them in a long time. I, I like Garfield as Spider-Man. I didn't love mm-hmm. the movies he was in, but I, I never had any issue with Garfield. But when Holland came on in Civil War, I was immediately like, this is my Spider-Man. This is my guy. <laughs> I'm all on board. I love his youthfulness. I love the New York element to his character, even though he's not from New York in real life uh, at all. Um, I loved that immediately. I was like totally sold on him as Spider-Man. Then we got Homecoming. I love Homecoming because it's a throwback to the coming-of-age movies that I also adore. With my favorite like Marvel character, I like Far From Home. I don't think it's as good, but I, I enjoyed it. I thought it did a good job of reckoning with the whole... Iron Man stuff, which was a hard, it was a hard movie to do. Like that was like the first film to have to tackle post Snap, right? Like it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. I thought they did a good job with it, but I think the biggest complaint about this trilogy is that it's not Spider Man forward. It is Spider Man as a member of the collective MCU. Yes, um which I'm cool with because it's di- it's a different take on the character than we've ever got on the film. Which is I kind of think that's what you want if you're going to do a third reboot you want it to be slightly different than the other two reboots. Cause that's, I think amazing Spider-Man kind of is just like, yeah, we're doing it again. It's like, Oh, yeah. anything different? Like, yeah, we're going to have Gwen instead. It's like, well, that's not,
1: that's not but We're going to get it's the just... origin story again. And we're going to see yeah. the familiar beats again.
0: So this, this version of the character has been substantially different because he exists with other heroes. Something that we had not seen in any of the other Spider-Man.
1: Yeah.
0: I've enjoyed all of it. However, I do want Spider-Man to be in the forefront because I think he's like the most interesting of the of the Marvel characters because he is so human in so many ways while yet, you know, epic. And I, I would have... There's so many ways they could have gone, but I've enjoyed this trilogy very much. So I went in with excitement for this, but for different reasons. I also went in very, very apprehensive because I was just like, I don't want them to try to do this movie that all the people are thinking it might be because it may not work. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also like we've they've put doctor strange in this movie who i like i like doctor strange i like benedict cumberbatch i do feel like it's like tony stark 2.0 and from my understanding from the comics that's not who doctor strange is so i understand like people who have an attachment to that character not being thrilled with the mcu's version this is the version i know the most really like i've seen him in like other comics i've read but i've never read a doctor strange book yeah so i'm cool with him being here um i am a big willem dafoe as an actor fan I wasn't sold on like them bringing back the old villains. Uh, but man, at the end of this movie, I was cheesing, smiling so hard. Couldn't wait to talk to my friends about it. Uh, got to rewatch it. Same, I felt the same way at the end of the second screening. This movie's nice. incredible. I had so much fun. Um, I'm definitely on the upper end of the critics. Although, like, it's obviously 94. A lot of people are saying it's good. Now, how good? metacritic gives us a better thing they're saying it's like a 72 which i think yeah. is still pretty high for i MCU think that's movies. High for this and um, i don't
1: mean in terms of the quality of the film. i think for a a marvel film and a superhero for all the the flack they've got it's great to see the metacritic score that high
0: yeah i, I think only a couple of the avengers films have been that high mm-hmm. um but that said i i do think this movie is excellent it's one of my favorite of the years um of the year in general uh now, my friend, I know nothing. I have no idea for sure how you feel about this. Uh, where do you stand?
1: Well, obviously, no spoilers, but my 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 review could almost just be summed up with... Dude, come on. Come on. Was, come on. Wasn't that something else? Come on. Um, yeah, no, I had a really, really good time with this film. Um, I thought I would do... I was worried going in, having seen the trailers and seeing the returning villains, like you said. I was slightly worried that this wasn't going to be a, a Tom Holland film or a Spider-Man centric film that we were going to get swept up in Um all these bad guys coming back again. Uh, and that's not the case, which I'm really, I was really, really pleased about Tom Holland as Peter Parker is front and center throughout this film. This is his story. It's his film. Everything else is just lovely icing on top of the donut, but Tom Holland gets center stage and I've, I did I thought Homecoming was pretty good. I wasn't as much a fan of Far From Home. You know, I think in hindsight I much prefer Homecoming. Not just cuz Michael Keating's so good, Keaton's so good in it. But um <laughs> I think Far From Home's fine. It's fine. But uh, this film is the best of the three for me. Um and you know, I, you know me I love the Raimi films. The third one is charming in its own um snaff cheesiness. It ain't great. I really like Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man in the Amazing Spider-Man film. I like the first one. I think the Amazing Spider-Man is pretty good, actually. The second one, we all know what. I'm on, I'm on the same train as everybody else. So, but as a character, I've always liked Spider-Man. I'm always excited for a new Spider-Man film because, like you, he's my favourite Marvel character. Um, because of just it, for the reasons that other people seem to like him, that it's just a kid in high school or college having to juggle that life and being a superhero at the same time. And he's got the same issues that we probably all had growing up. And this, true. I think that's why it resonates with a lot of people, but in terms of no way home. Uh, yeah. I, I thought this film was an absolute blast. I, I will admit I am going to side with some of the critics I've since read who have said that maybe the first 40 minutes or so is a bit, nah, it, it, it's a bit messy. And I, I was watching it and I was thinking, right, this is fine. You know this is okay it felt a bit rise of skywalker in the sense that you know things were just happening really quickly you know we at one moment you'd have this uh se- sequence and then we'd move on to something else and they'd never go back to that or something would happen to a character and then maybe at the end of the film they might be like oh we need to reference that quick so i found that the first 40 minutes or so it wasn't bad still good still enjoyable but it felt it it these these, la- these last two Spidey films aren't my favourite of the bunch. I think they're very good. I like Tom Holland, but it felt too similar to those and I maybe I was guilty of thinking, no, I want something more. I want it to feel different because we weren't going to be getting Iron Man Jr. hopefully. I know Doctor Strange is in it, but he's very much necessary for the story and isn't shoehorned in it's, um to make it feel part of the MCU. And this film actually, him, other than Doctor Strange aside, again, we don't do spoilers, but you know, it's just not. You know, it's not heavy with MCU references, particularly. It's not. It doesn't live and die on them too much. Obviously, you get name drops and what and whatnot now, but it kind of stands on its own to a certain point. Not obviously the whole thing, because it's still tied intrinsically to the cinematic universe but it does stand alone more for me but once you get past those 40 minutes which again i must stress aren't bad and it's not like oh this is awful it was just okay this is fine i can see what's going on here we are hurtling towards you know what whatever we're going to be getting getting you know what it, what we've seen in the trailers we're gonna we we gotta get to that surely so we things need to happen to get to that i'm clicking my fingers to uh show just how quickly the things were going but again it wasn't bad it was fine let me get to, you know, the second or third act, and, you know, it's, just, it's great. It's a roller coaster. I, like, I saw I think I saw it the night after you, because it came out uh, a day early in the UK, which is great. So I saw it at about 20 to 8, I think my screening was, in the evening. Packed cinema, absolutely jam-packed. Every screening on opening night in the theatre I went to, uh, the, the Cineworld sold out. I haven't seen that for so long where every, where every, every, screen just has the flashing red lights sold out next to it. Uh, bond was busy. No time to die. was busy. This was busier. And like your, um, crowd, the crowd went bonkers during this film. It was mm-hmm. great. Uh, oh, we're yeah. British. We have, you know, we're stoic in nature. They went absolutely berserk and it does help. And it does. I mean, I was enjoying the film. I was enjoying what's happening, but, you know, just having that kind of uh, atmosphere at one point it almost turned into like a football match, a soccer crowd. It was unreal. Um, but that that helped. But unlike something like Endgame which I think is perfectly fine I think the crowd reaction at the time made that film better than how I view it now. Whereas I think uh, No Way Home will, this is going to stay at the top of towards the top of my MCU list. I'm trying to think what I'd put above it um, just because I had so much fun with this Once once it gets into it The action is great. The emotion is heavy. You know, the the fun is is there. It doesn't rotate. It doesn't lose its sense of fun, which is uh, key. And it doesn't lose track that this is a Peter Parker, Tom Holland, Spider-Man film. doesn't matter about the villains coming back. This is still Tom Holland's film. And that was the most exciting part for me because I think he's very good at Spider-Man. But I just wanted to see him now in the role. I want to see... I don't want to see him bogged down by the MCU. I wanted to see him leading the film, and he does. And this is his best performance by a mile, as Peter Parker and Spider Man. I think by an absolute country mile. Um, Ned and MJ they get a little bit more to do. I, I kind of uh, again they get things to do, but this is you know as you've seen by the trailer, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to focus on. You you wouldn't be you wouldn't be wrong for saying that Ned and MJ are the front and center. But for large portions, they're there and they get and they get more to do, I think. But I have seen some people saying that, well, maybe they get pushed to the side. I think John Watts done a really good job of combining all the elements that he has done. I think the screen time that is given to each character is pretty much spot on. I don't think he could have done a much better job, really. I think, it, and most importantly, my last thing, it really is, it absolutely nails... The ending, it hits that ending, it smacks that landing, hundred percent. Because so many, how many times have you and I spoken about films? I'm like, this is great, but I wish the ending was stronger. For me, they got the ending spot on. Of course, there are uh, post-credit scenes. If you haven't seen the film, stay behind and watch those. But the from uh, after the first forty minutes was good, and then it just goes into overdrive, goes to hyperdrive. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and just everything you could want amplified and it works. I could see this being a film I'd watch more than once, and enjoy it every time. It wasn't just a watch it with the crowd, ah, wasn't that great because we had the crowd, but then when you watch it at home, it's not going to work. I think this will do, and I'm going to go back and watch this many, many, many times. I don't know where I'd put it in my Spider-Man pantheon. Uh, it's too early for that yet, but my friend, I was worried about this film, that it's going to be overstuffed, that it wasn't going to be Tom Holland heavy. I came out, it was a shot of joy. Uh, and as I said, it's been a Cat rubbish, not having me the best time. This film gave me the feels, man. I came out and I just felt like a new man for that time. It just felt so good, so happy. And like you said, that's what film is about. When they get it right like they did here, and if you're, certainly if you're a fan of Spider-Man, regardless of the MC, if you're a fan of Spider-Man, you are going to have the best time here. And I certainly hope you do. I did. I thought this was great. No so, real issues with the film. It was two and a half hours long. Didn't feel like it. Yes, the first 40 minutes was a bit messy for me. Not a bad thing. John, I thought this was magnificent.
0: So while we've been talking, I pulled up the Metascores for the Marvel Studios, and interestingly enough, um, that includes the non-MCU films as well. Uh, So I have it currently listed. If it's all Marvel Studios, this is actually the number 11 film on the Metascore. Okay. um, Because that includes Big Hero 6.
1: So if you remove
0: Big Hero 6 from that, it's number 10. So I, I still lower than I thought it'd be. There's one MCU film that was got a lot of Oscar buzz. That is the highest meta score. That's black my Panther. hint. black Panther, 88.
1: Okay. That I'm was, there's that.
0: the only criticism I had of that movie was the CG in the couple of scenes. but th- yeah, obviously that movie's fantastic. Um, the original Iron Man 79, which is where i almost always go for my top mcu film because it it's excellent it's great um then we go avengers endgame 78 guardian 76 uh captain america civil war 75 so that's our top five
1: Mm -hmm. i'll take in i I know why endgame is so high but i would never have it that high
0: i like endgame um but yeah it's a culmination,
1: i get it it. Uh, but as a standalone film it's i don't think it's for me i don't even have its top 10 mcu still good film but i'd put a few more above it
0: thor ragnarok 74 is number six mm-hmm. spider-man homecoming 73 Ooh. okay this one was surprising to me but dr strange 72 see i really like dr strange i do one. too i just felt like everyone else didn't so i was surprised to see it this high on the list it seemed like everyone else i knew was like lukewarm on it um, 71 and i love this because this also came out this year shang chi and the legend of the ten rings nice and then spider-man no way home so technically those are tied even those are both listed at 71 on metascore right now
1: that's not um, bad at all and, uh, rotten tomatoes is still 94 percent. the average rating from the critics is uh, 7.9 out of 10 uh 284 fresh 17 rotten so i think that kind of says it all
0: now metascore also this is metacritic.com they also let you sort it by user score instead of mm-hmm. the metascore yeah no way home is number one wow i wonder if that's recency bias it might be it's got a 9.0 though uh which is the same thing as imdb so i'm not sure if that imdb score is actually the meta score or not but 59% um, good uh, good.
1: rt audience score as well just to add to that so uh, not far yeah. off
0: um and uh you know i i get that i i didn't have the issues with the first part that you did In fact, there's something that happens in the first segment that was one of my, the best things that happens in this movie, in my opinion, um, for reasons I can't talk about here, but I will mention in spoilers. Um, but I, I love, I love Holland getting to be Tom Holland. Um, like getting to really be Peter Parker and getting to be, um, I, I like him as an actor and he's had duds, you know, we watched cherry, we reviewed cherry on this podcast, and I didn't think he was the problem in Cherry, but you know but it's film, not. A good he was movie. in
1: the Devil all the time. I think it was called. He was really very good in that. Oh, on so good, in
0: that. dude. Yeah, good call. He's really really yeah, good in that. Very good in that.
1: I, he's in, I, he's, I, the dude can act. I yeah. just don't think he's had the chance to do it in the in the current run of Spider Man. I think this is by far his best outing as Spider Man.
0: Well, and he seems like a sheer joy. Like, and I don't know if that's true. He might be awful but on camera, like every interview, every interaction, he just seems like he's a good guy.
1: He's having a good time. Isn't he?
0: He is. And I like that vibe.
1: Um, I watched I, him on I, the I, uh, hot wings challenge and he looks like, he looked like a kind of guy like, yep. He, he seems genuine. They does not need to watch he's it. Putting on a front. It's very funny.
0: I'm a big fan of that show and I'm just really yeah. behind on episodes. Um, that is on my radar for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I loved everything about this movie. Um, it, it it checked my boxes multiple times. I enjoyed a lot of the action sequences. Um, like, Not really I, any flaws? Is there?
1: I mean, there really isn't. I mean, I mentioned the first four. Uh, the only thing I had wrong with it was I felt I could tell that it was racing towards getting to the next, you know, act so they could get so they could they could increase the scope. But for me, it felt like things they had to tie things up, and then they had to. They, they felt very fast where they were getting to where they needed to be. Uh, and again, I mean, the spoilers, maybe we can mention that, but uh, I, I just had a sense that they were just, you know, John Watt and Eric Sam and that, they knew that they, they had to answer some questions and they had to tie some bows up and explain, you know, the spell that's mentioned in the synopsis and how it's going to work. It just felt very, it, 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 I don't know, it just felt like they were racing towards something. The pacing was a bit off and um, it felt a bit choppy, but it didn't disturb me my viewing or bother me uh, but in hindsight it was definitely a d- there was a difference there's a, sh- there was a shit paradigm shift at one point
0: well without again without getting the spoilers um, or any details one other thing I'll comment that I really liked uh, with within reference to Batman um the one thing ever was really hoping we were gonna get from the Matt Reeves Batman is that we're actually mm-hmm. gonna get the greatest detective Batman yes something that has not been depicted um, in the movies really. And I think you could make that argument for Peter Parker as a scientist. I think a lot of the times uh, it's we're told he's a good scientist or whatever, yeah. but we don't usually get to see it. The Garfield ones kind
1: of went more that way, didn't they? In terms of showing or at least how his kind of heightened intelligence anyway. Yeah. Um, yes. but Yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying in terms of yeah. the science aspect.
0: And I think we get a little bit, a little bit of that in this one, or at least even more of a like explanation as to why. And I think you saw it in far from home a little too, you know, because of the Stark connection, I think they've been able to kind of easily branch that over. Um, but I, I really enjoy those moments. Cause I do think that's important with Parker is that like, he's not just like a smart guy or he's not some loser who got bit by a radioactive spider. Like he was really, really smart. And the radioactive spider gave him incredible powers but he's a genius on top of it. Like if a dummy had been bit, like if Flash Thompson, Jeez. who I guess isn't a dummy either really, he's also got into MIT like in this movie. So he can't be as dumb as he acts. Maybe they've overdone the dumbness by the in that way, you know what I'm saying? But like Yeah, Oh yeah. Um, yeah. If if someone else is bit by the spider, you don't get the same person that you get because Parker is bit by the spider. You know what I'm saying? Like okay. it, it is Spider-Man is Peter Parker and you see like and that's the things we've got to see so far with miles morales he's not just another spider-man he is miles morales spider-man it's he's also great it's just he's different and it should be because it's not
1: the boy so good as yeah
0: yes and i i really like that they're they're showcasing the individual idiosyncrasies of peter parker in this movie and there's a few I,
1: I times they it. do it and and it worked, and it again that, none of it feels shoehorned in it doesn't feel like they've just thought oh man we really we really need to show how clever this dude is it it feels the moments that they do it it feels right and it feels you know it feels justified and it, it's right for the scene that it's happening in so uh yeah the iteration of Tom Holland's Peter Parker gets a leg up here and i think it's the strongest performance but also characterization of his peter uh, in all of in all of the three films now, so and it feels more like his film. Uh, no homecoming. You had Tony Stark left. He had left left and right. If not center, he was pretty much overhanging the whole thing. Far from home. The literal ghost of Tony Stark is, is is hanging over the whole damn film. This now feels more like the first time we get to see Tom Hollis, Peter Parker, and that's all I've wanted. Which is why I've always enjoyed the Raimi films, and for the most part, the Garfield films because they're self contained and the hero and the focus of the story is always the Peter Parker of those films. I never really felt that with these MC with the with the Homecoming trilogy. In this film I did, and I think that's why it's I rank it so head and shoulders above the other two, because it feels like a Spider Man film.
0: I agree. So folks, that is our spoiler free review. Obviously Matt and I both really love this movie. We I mean, did it I, somehow I'm still more on, up on it than you are, but nevertheless, uh we both love. Oh, not it. by much. I will say. Yes. I know. I
1: I, I. I feel it's my duty to also rather, to to not just say not that you have, by the way, but I, I don't want to say this. Everything's brilliant. Everything's perfect. For me, I had to say. For me, those first forty minutes were fine. The rest, in great, superb. But the first forty were just very good.
0: Yeah, you know, it's okay. I'm okay with you having issues with it. I am a a Marvel shrill. Um, I, I apparently, I'm not paid by them but I do love what they're doing. I, I am like someone who gets paid by Marvel. I, that's, that's I, something they'd say. I, who knows? Uh, Marvel, if you want to <laughs> send some money, I could definitely use it. I am a teacher. Uh, send me this, some money and I'll like the first 40 minutes more, please. I mean, but legitimately, I, I understand that there are a lot of people who have to criticize this. I'm, I'm constantly referring to David Ehrlich. I think he's a brilliant writer, but I almost always yep. point out that we don't see eye to eye on a lot of movies. Same. He gave this same two of stars, and, you know, I don't get it. I don't see how you can watch this and think it's a two-star movie. I, I do not see that in any um, way.
1: I guess if you have no connection to the character of Spider-Man or, or the MCU, or if you really are going in with the, with the knowledge that this film has to, and I know every critic should go in with the idea the film's got to impress them, but uh, Dierlich, wonderful writer, but he's very much, like you said, he, he's very much there to uh, critique the, the film he's not there for the experience he's not there for the for the nostalgia he's not there for the thrills he's there to critique the film so i get why he'd be not quite as up on it but i don't know two stars again it's everyone's everyone's opinion is their own two stars seems low but there will be people out who will hate this film as well
0: exactly Um, wrong
1: but (laughs) I, i feel
0: that way uh but you know Let's move into other topics. This is our next segment of the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. This is Choffed Headlines, uh movie or pop culture news that caught our attention. Matt, what grabbed your eye and wouldn't let go this week?
1: Well, mine is written by a guy called James Osborne, who I don't believe is an offshoot of Norman Osborne. But it's, uh, it, it's uh, the title, the headline, obviously, the whole point of this is the headline caught my eye and it did. The headline for this is Lord of the Rings studio wanted Peter Jackson to kill off three hobbits. I mean, there's it's one, it's one thing basing your your mega trilogy on a very well-known set of books. There's another one to completely change that, into t- entirely the dynamic. Peter Jackson was pressured to kill off three hobbits over the course of the film series by the studio behind the Lord of the Rings, which was uh, New Line Cinema was the uh, studio behind them and that includes the that name which, which we which I only mentioned once, the Weinsteins. Ugh. But more and more every now and then, especially the article says that it's been 20 years now since the first film came out, pretty much 20 years of the day almost, which is, it does make you feel a bit old. But yep. um, we more and more things, kind of like, like you like with any production, you start to hear more things over time. Uh, one of the th- more recent uh, stories was that, uh, well, the studio wanted to have the entire series condensed into one film. So all those, so we, what the films themselves give, or take nine hours, the theatrical editions studio, wanted that into it can push it into one, which you, what you end up is with, is the dark tower when you do that. And boy, oh boy, that was not a good film, but they wanted him to do that. And then they said, well, if you won't do it, Quentin Tarantino will replace you, which is a true story. They were going to, they were going to, pay quentin tarantino the big bucks to come in and condense three books into one and make a tarantino lord of the rings which in my head would be abysmal but who, i'm not gonna lie who wouldn't want to see tarantino taking on the the voice of Tolkien in middle earth it would be very very strange but um uh, we found out as well that uh, adrian Brody turned down a role for one of the hobbits didn't say which one But yeah, uh, Bob Weinstein who produced the film, uh, he asked for three hobbits to be killed over the course of the series, which of course would have changed the entire story, the entire dynamic of the film um, because spoilers for the film, none of them die. But uh, yeah, it's, I don't know what they were aiming for, obviously dramatic stakes or or something, but I know I'm, more up on those films than you because I've, i think you've seen them once i've seen them once a year at least but oh, um the film didn't need the, those kind of stakes to make th- to make them the films that they are so i just found it very interesting that they uh wanted to kill off three hobbits despite the fact that that never happened in any of the books and uh, anyone listening who is a fan of those films or books would love to know what you would have thought had that happen me I wouldn't have liked it whatsoever I would have thought it'd been awful if they'd done that because you know how the, the Hobbit for all the flack they got they were consistent in their characters in terms of who lived and who died and when you know they took some liberties but the fact that the, the Battle of the Five Armies in the book is about a page <laughs> or a paragraph in the this in, in the films it's a three hour, two and a half hour film but what happens to the characters there happens in the book same as in here so I'm glad that Peter told Peter Tolkien Peter Jackson stuck to his guns, but just interested to hear what you thought, my friend, because I know that you've seen the films and you, you know, don't dislike them. I don't believe, but do you think they would have been made better if all of, if three of the hobbits that I imagine would have been Frodo, Mary and Sam had died and Frodo was the only one who left. Do you think they would have been better? Cause I think it would have been awful.
0: Um, I don't think it would have been better. Um, uh, that that sounds like such a studio note, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like I can't think of any moment where it would have made sense for them to have died. Like where, like you know, like to me, that's the only time you would correct something like that is if like it felt like the the writer was too precious and didn't want to kill off a character, and it, it would make more sense dramatically or emotionally for the character to die. Like character death, I do think characters should be able to die. Right, oh, because yeah. we we want the stakes to feel real, and in real life, sometimes people die. But it, you don't just kill them off like to kill them off like that's mm-hmm. manipulative and in the worst way when we're talking about writing. And um, you know, I, I could see it maybe being even like a budget thing. Like we're doing three of these movies, we gotta trim some of these characters. There's too many people, like too many paychecks. Um, and that would be not good either. But no, uh, nothing. Like I don't know. I'm man. I'm so fixated on the Tarantino. Uh, fact i did oh, not I know that What about that, uh, yeah. imagine imagine that like it's just all in the the what's the the bar or restaurant they go to like at the beginning of the uh, fellowship um oh, where they be the, arrogant uh,
1: it's
0: just like and pony sam jackson and travolta are just in there chilling there's <laughs> five dollar <laughs> um, milkshake honey bunny gets on the table like, <laughs> give me the ring um certainly the language gets a bit more blue as well Oh, I can't imagine it not being right. Maybe Tarantino <laughs> probably would have taken the opportunity to invent curse words and like Elvis. Elvis, uh, <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, it would be interesting if nothing else. I can't imagine. Again, it could have been great, but uh, I'm not so sure.
0: Yeah, I don't know if Tarantino's got like a big like attachment to the books. Like that, why was he their next pick?
1: No idea. Uh, yeah. I get his Star Trek. I get the connection there because he's a fan. But I don't know about the Hobbit films or Lord of the Rings.
0: Yeah, it's weird uh, that he was on the list. Um, And again, it's also weird because they're acting like he's known for short movies. Like, Kill Bill's two volumes, everybody. Like, let's not forget. Like, you know, uh, I'm not sure, but I feel like most of the latter of his career has been pretty long. Hateful Eight's long. Um, It has an an intermission. um,
1: They're all at least two and a half hours, I think.
0: Which, I mean, granted, that's not three three three-hour movies plus you know the extended cuts, which I've never seen. I, I... man i just uh, i have no desire to, to watch those again <laughs> like and i like them that's the thing I don't know what it is about the it's just man I, there's not a scene in the movie where i'm like yep I want to watch them walk again um man. i don't i don't know what it is i've tried a couple of times i just have i don't know maybe my attention span has just been destroyed but i have i have no longing to to You've return uh, because
1: you now because you with you, with your screen anyway
0: well, yeah, it is hard now to rewatch things. Um, like I, I'm, I'm, am a few Christmas movies behind where I normally would be right now because I've been watching new movies and I'm kind of missing a few. Like I really want to rewatch. Um, well, none are coming to mind, but I've, i like I've hit one big ones. life. I've, I, I, actually taught that one, so I kind of snuck that one in as a teaching Good man. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but I, I have watched White Christmas and Miracle on 34th Street already, which are like two of my my big ones, and I've watched watch up more more Christmas too. I haven't watched Home Alone 2, actually. The first one. I haven't watched 2. Kind of watched Elf in the background the other night. Um, but... Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I will... one. I did buy the extended cuts a while ago. So, I, mm-hmm. I have them. I just... Man... I just, I just know know how long it is. It's so long to
1: Florida. When, when COVID and Omicron decide to leave, I'm going to fly to Florida and I'm going to like clockwork Orange. I'm going to take you to the chair. Let me finish. (laughs) And I'm I'm going to keep your eyes open with matchsticks and make you watch the damn extended trilogy. Just leave you there. If you don't come and feed you some water.
0: Yeah, that's torture. And I don't like that at all. Um, (laughs) But Mm -hmm. let's, let's move into my headline, which is another fantasy franchise uh, that won't die somehow. Um, much like a phoenix rising from the ashes, we have The Secrets of Dumbledore, the new Fantastic Beast movie that's set to come out next year in April uh, with the third character, third actor, I guess you could say, playing a character, which isn't entirely true, but it is. Um, yeah, um, I mean, technically, Colin Farrell is playing the, the, the character.
1: To me, he is, and then Johnny Depp, he morphed into Johnny Depp, and now in this new iteration, in, in my head, they're just going to Explain it off like that, like how they did with Colin Farrell.
0: Yeah, and that that's probably the way to go. Uh, Maz Mikkelsen looks much more normal in the role. Yes. Um, but the trailer dropped, the poster dropped, and that's what this article is kind of talking about. Um, I was so disappointed with the first movie of the Fantastic Beasts franchise, only because it felt like they lied to me of what I was getting. Like, I went in expecting kind of an Indiana Jones, but instead of Artifacts, they're you know, Fantastic Beast, that we would be Mm -hmm. following this guy, Newt's Commander, as he goes to these different places hunting these magical creatures, and I thought that would be a blast. I thought these cool adventure movies, mummy esque, Indiana Jones esque, you know, but like with magic. How awesome could this be? And instead it was like, no, we're just gonna actually redo the whole Harry Potter storyline, but with a different (laughs) villain and in another movie we're gonna backdoor Dumbledore as our as our protagonist. And Newt's Commander will have just been a a trick.
1: Is a Bilbo Baggins in his own trilogy of the Hobbit almost. Yes. To the side.
0: So I've been severely disappointed with what this franchise is because I'm like, I already got a wizard war. We had that. It was great. I'm good. I don't need another version of it. Especially this one appears to be, is it world war one or uh, two? Yeah. Ooh, two? It's okay. So that we're tying like real world stuff into it, which is going to get, I don't like that get real sketchy like you know See the wool. um i just i don't know the trailer's not bad for this one i, mm-hmm. I actually thought the trailer looked compelling but maybe it's just because i in my heart i want this to be good and so far i have no reason to think it will be um you know the the poster we've got a phoenix flying towards hogwarts um i think the poster looks kind of cool the phoenix looks a little like why not just use the design of fox before because it's got to be fox right like it can't be another phoenix like that would make no sense so uh, i'm i'm hopeful but really not at the same time what What are your thoughts about the secrets of dumbledore
1: i, mean, I like the poster i just wish it didn't have the secrets of dumbledore on it I, was like, I, like, I like the idea of the phoenix and it's always great to see hogwarts and be back in that world so i think the poster's cool um, I just don't like the fact that it's got the secrets of Dumbledore sprawled all over it I didn't mind the first Fantastic Beasts film I th- but like you I, I expected to see more beasts but I did like it when Newt went into his um, satchel and was in the beast world giving us a little flavour of what I thought they were going to expand on in The Crimes of Grindelwald which they didn't like you say they just thought well let's bring D- Jude Law and his Dumbledore and let's basically make this Harry Potter light you know, they said before that it wasn't it obviously, it's a prequel, but it's not going to tie in necessarily as much as people hope it is. And then, first film, I think the I don't think the first one actually did that bad. I thought it took, I thought money wise, I thought it was I think it took like six hundred, seven hundred million, so not bad. I mean, the lower end of the pot of but still not bad. But it was enough to make Warner Brothers think, All right? We need to bring in the big guns. I didn't mind the Crimes of Grindelwald. I accept because uh, I saw it twice. um Uh, i accept that it's not great but i didn't hate it because i know when it came out people really really didn't like that film i thought it was fine i thought it was pretty decent the first time i saw it rewatched i was like okay a few things stick out more but on the whole i think it's okay uh hasn't in you know i'm not entirely excited for the secrets of dumbledore for the reasons we said the other week where this is and for what you've just said this is meant to be newt's story Uh, you know the famous hufflepuff newt's commander and fan i mean just the title in itself the, the you know, pre and post the colon fantastic beasts the secrets of dumbledore the two don't match up whatsoever fantastic beasts and where to find them the fantastic beasts of crimes of grindelwald also don't match up you can see how far removed they've gone from their original template which is very sad if you ask me because this should have been like you say a an exploration adventure type film taking place in the world where we get a few hints and nods of what's to come and and a few seeds that get paid off later in the classic Potter trilogy. But I don't know, man. It's just, I mean, I'm going to go and watch it because I love being in that world. But I don't know. It's just, it doesn't, I, uh, I'm excited. I just wonder how <laughs> what they get, how much more are they are going to do? Because there's originally going to be five films. I don't know if this is going to be the last one, but how much is Newt going to be in it? Are they, are they going to focus on him or is it more now about Grindelwald and uh, Dumbledore because of course fans of the universe like that they're aware of those people you know casual fans are aware of Dumbledore so they'll go to watch for him but I want to see Eddie Redmayne as Newt Scamander and um, Catherine Waterston as whatever her name was in those films my point proven I can't even remember but I want to see them you know give them something to do make the film about the beasts make Newt an adventurer let me see the the titular beasts and I don't care about Dumbledore's secrets I don't care about them you know that's what that's what books are for write them in a book this wasn't ever as far as I'm aware this was never meant to be about the secrets of Dumbledore these films it was meant to be about Newt uh and the and the you know leading into Harry Potter but not so intrinsically so I don't know. I hope I watch it and I hope I think, and I hope I like it. I'm pretty sure I'm going to enjoy Jude Law and Mads Mickelson, because I generally do uh, in most films here in, but I just feel like this franchise lost its way. I think Warner brothers had a knee jerk reaction after the first film and just decided to throw everything into making this, you know, an actual Harry Potter uh, tie in when it wasn't always meant to be that, but I don't know. The, the poster looks decent. I did. Uh, I did say. So will say the trailer was fine, though. I didn't mind the trailer, but I don't know. I, I I'm a bit sour on this franchise, the Fantastic Beast franchise, which makes me sad because I thought the first film was encouraging. Man.
0: Yeah. Same. And is it still planning for five, or did they change the number again?
1: Oof, I don't know how many they're planning, but I I can't imagine them getting away with
0: five. Yeah, I feel like they, the number has been like a moving scale, which is not a good sign either, right? Like no. if you don't, because ha- that just means you don't have a story structured. Like you're just winging it, and that's.
1: No, I think they are as well.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I I, I think this movie proves it, right? Because if you had originally said they would have never have had, because originally it was a trilogy, and then they upped it to five, yeah. and now I feel like they might have changed it again. I don't know. It's all, it's all ip nonsense if, if this film have-
1: blows it out of the water, there'll be another one. I think. I, I think they're. I, I guess they're just taking it. Look, they're winging it in terms of screenwriting, and I think they're taking it film, which in itself is sensible. But I think they're taking it film by film now. How? If this film does well, we'll get another one. But are we going to have? A, is this film going to end on a potential kind of tie-in to the next film, or will we get a definitive ending? That's you know, that's the interesting thing for me.
0: Well. I think with that, we are going to move into media consumption. Uh, this is movies, TV, video games, music, podcasts, anything we use to pass the time. Um, in other words, what media we are consuming. Matt, what have you been consuming? Um,
1: not an awful lot, really, because um, I've been work well. Actually, to be fair, there is, but um, I haven't been listening to any uh, pods recently. I've, got, I've been, you know, again, funny time. I haven't felt the desire to sit and listen uh, as I haven't been on either doing any but uh, I've been listening to a lot I've been listening to music and playlists and stuff like that but um, I haven't watched any TV I haven't caught up on Hawkeye yet I'm aware of the big things that happen with him which I'm not going to spoil but um, I'm waiting for the book of Boba Fett to come out and that all changes but um, like said, I'm working from home in the minute so I have less time to do it and then on the weekends uh, doing Christmassy stuff with the young Padawan so I have seen some films They were kind of odd shake-up of films i watched the two towers the lord of the rings of two towers uh the other day because i was flicking through sky and i was like i need to i need to watch the battle of helms deep this is my think, that's what i've always said i think the two towers is my favorite film of the three it's very hard to pick one but I, the two towers for me works in ways that somehow the others two don't i love the fellowship i love it. it's, it's probably the perfect trilogy in terms of uh, what the, the this kind of film I mentioned it before trilogy before artistically for me is the best trilogy of all. I think the Lord of the Rings is the strongest in every other aspect though. You no, know, uh, the, the scope, scale, music, look, story, connectivity, quality. It's, it's throw something out and I'll probably say yes to it. So I watched Two Towers. Um, uh, I watched. Uh, I'll save some of the ones that you have seen as well. The crossover the, over that we've had. I watched Lamb, the A twenty four film, the new A twenty four film came out a couple of weeks ago here in the UK. New Mirror Pace um, fronted Icelandic it's called a horror film. It isn't a horror film, but it's A twenty four, so it's it un- it's an unnerving film. Um, and Lamb was a funny one for me because I I enjoyed it, but it never uh, it was. I never found myself loving it. Uh, I found I found I, a lot of kind of different adjectives to kind of describe lamb and um one I, I i called it i'm trying to remember what i called it in, in my review but i i mentioned a few words which you know they probably don't work well together it's uh beautiful boring intriguing meandering alluring and disjointed plus more and fantastical it's a bit of everything i mean it's basically it's it's, it's a slice of domestic life it's just too Sort of husband and wife going on about their, going about their business and they have like a hybrid child. Look at this and see the poster and there's a real bene- benevolence in it. And I that's how I ended my review. It says the sheer benevolence in the shadow of such absurdity is unnervingly engaging. Even though the film isn't spectacular. The film is so kind hearted. It's so lovely. And the, the, the couple are so gr- nice in this film in the face of like the absolute bonkers, bizarre, Premise that we're seeing, it, it meshes really nicely. It's some real nice natural beauty. Iceland is just a stunning country, anyway. But it's pretty odd, you know, because of that kind of domestic nature. It is just at times watching people do the dishes for a long time on a, on a, a static shot of them from behind. It like it 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 will uh, not be for everyone, and I enjoyed it. It's certainly not a horror film. It's an unnerving family drama that centers on trauma, grief. Uh, and things like that, but I liked Lamb. I mean it kind of, it's, it ha- it's not going to hit my top ten or top twenty of the year, but you know, I thought it's certainly one of the most interesting films I've seen this year. Uh, I also watched Audition. We rewatched Audition, should I say? The um, the horror film from way over there in the east. Fantastic film. I've always liked Audition. Um, and the next few films, including Audition, was simply because I went on to my Shudder account and was like, right, fancy watching some not obscure but smaller horror films so i watched audition loved it i watched lost river uh the uh ryan goslin directed film which was a fabulous cast in it and again i think lost river is pr- pretty decent it's not great it's not awful it's pretty good certainly decent for a kind of stylized directorial debut it's uh, it's interesting that ryan goslin hasn't done anything since in that vein whether he's too busy acting and singing i don't know but Lost River is certainly a decent directorial debut. Which you know, if anyone's got an hour and a half, check it out. It's worth watching. And I also watched a film called Anything for Jackson, which is I heard was getting some buzz when it came out. And it's basically about a uh, an old couple, older couple who want to perform a reverse exorcism to bring their deceased grandson back to life. Interesting story, um, and it was okay as well. A lot of people love this film. I thought it was. Uh, okay There was a, some of the acting wasn't great i don't think some of the situations that happened were a bit you know at one point i kind of rolled my eyes like oh man this is this has taken a turn now i i was in to start with but it lost it for me it lost its way during it so um those three films are good i watched west side story which i know uh you did as well i i watched west side story and i thought it was okay i didn't think it, i i maybe in a minority i thought i didn't think it was amazing i thought it was good I think Spielberg's taken the classic and made another good film out of it. I would have liked to see him change a few things up. But what it did show was Steven Spielberg can take a musical and make it damn good. (laughs) I mean, there's something he hasn't done before necessarily, apart from a bit of dancing in Indiana Jones. I think Spielberg did a good job, very good job here. I think the acting is uh, decent. Uh, Ansel Elgort for all of his apparent alleged Issues off screen. I think he's decent in this. I've never thought I thought he's the best actor, but I think he's good. um Rachel Zegler, I think she's good. Especially, I think this is her first film. It is. She's very good in this. And it's West Side Story. If you've seen the original, you've seen this film pretty much. There are some issues, some things where I thought, hmm, this these certain things that you know, certain character traits would not be accepted back in those days, and that kind of thought that doesn't meld in modern attitudes in a in a in a piece which is set decades ago kind of didn't quite work for me necessarily but i thought it was good you know it's west side story it's good you know i i, I like the classic film this one's good as well uh, but i don't it's not smashing into my top 10 or top 20 i just thought it was good um i watched nine days which i was really interested by the premises i thought the i thought the idea of nine days was um was really good it, it, it it's getting a lot of buzz from the festival um circuit it's about a guy who interviews um unborn souls to determine which one should be given a life on earth and the ones who aren't you know they go into purgatory or uh oblivion as the synopsis says uh, but i really wanted to like this or love this film and again i just thought it was good there was at times i was sort of um I was drifting away from the story a bit. My hand was going towards my phone, but I liked, I stayed with it and I liked it. I thought it was very interesting. I love the premise. I think the cast is great. Uh, I couldn't get over Benedict Wong speaking in his, you know, native British accent. I couldn't get my head around it, but I got past that. But um, I really, really wanted this to be kind of revelatory in top 10, like Coda was for me, but I just thought this film was, was good. I'd, you know, for me, I'd give it a seven out of 10 and, and say it was good. Uh, the last one I watched it was uh, Julia De Corno's um, Titan. I believe it's pronounced Titan. I've had to get this verified, but Titan, the French film she did, uh, following on from when she did Raw a few years ago with Gad Marillier. Uh, she's back now with Titan, and it won the uh, the top prize at the Palm Door Cannes. I believe it won. Everybody was raving about this film. They said this film was great. I thought this film was awful. I did not jive with Titan whatsoever, and I thought I was going to I really did, but I just could not get into this film. I think the the lead actress um agat she's fearless she's excellent in this film she's you know she leaves nothing behind, but it there was nothing else to it you know it must be, there must be something because. You know, people are raving about it, but for me, it was a fortitude test. There were scenes that I couldn't watch. It felt like it was trying to push me too far. It looked at the grimy and horrible. I didn't think the characters were appealing whatsoever. The imagery is nasty. The, the plot was overstuffed for me. There was uh, there was a kind of, a, it wasn't, I wouldn't even call it a subplot. It was an integral part of the plot, which I just thought was not very good, uh, which referred to like a missing kid. I just, I just didn't think it worked. I don't know what everyone's raving about. It's is not going to be for everyone. Raw wasn't that worked for me. This film didn't work at all for me. Uh, it's one of the worst films I've seen this year. And I have no Ooh, shame wow. in coming out and saying that I know I, I see what they. I see what they're going for. You know, they were trying to make, you know, the film is, you know, and the underlying theme is, you know, you've got body autonomy and, uh, and themes along those lines. But I think that, there were you know by adding in this kind of missing person story and these kind of disturbing imagery things that i think deco or no i think she had a thin narrow thin idea thin plot and just tries to build upon it. it didn't work for me uh and it's not even that it's too stylized or too arty because i love those kind of films i just did did not work for me the art the whole premise of the film i thought i would come out of this enjoying 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 it but Uh, i couldn't get into it sometimes it's just like that jb will say to say sometimes you'll go into a film which people love and it just doesn't work titan for me is probably the 22 biggest disappointment um but i know that some of those films including titan you have seen so and john you've got a you've got a big old list to get through so let's see if we jive with the opinions or if you're going to tell me i'm horribly wrong
0: i won't spend as much time with a lot of these but um i will with the three that you also saw um, I just finished uh, Teton, like, an hour or two before we recorded. Okay. Um, I, uh, it also was really hard to watch at times. Like, there were many scenes where I was, like, looking at the ground. I was mm-hmm. like, nope, not watching this. Um, Raw did that for me, too. I also loved Raw. I thought Raw was fantastic. Well, wow, that was great. Um, I'm more in the middle with with Titan. I, I don't see it as it, – it definitely didn't work for me as much. I did read several reviews, and some of those reviews, including Ehrlich's, Uh, kind of helped me recontextualize how I should be viewing the story Um, and one of the themes that the movie's tackling which is a pet theme for me is the choose your family vibe right like this idea that you don't have to be blood does not dictate who your family is inherently Um, and Ehrlich uh, said this is either the most messed up that movie or it is a movie about like serial killers blah 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 um and or it's both. And he's like, and I think it's both and it couldn't work if it wasn't. And I, I was like, you know what? Good argument. Um, so it, it bumped up like a, a star for me basically because it, it, it changed the lens in which I was viewing this. Cause it is, I had no idea about the plot of this movie. Like I knew about the car thing. That's the only thing I'd heard about was that it had something to do with the car and it was getting compared to, uh, um, Cronenberg's cars or whatever it's called. Yeah. Crash. Um, that was the only thing I knew about this. So when, the plot hits that like she's a killer. I was like, oh, I didn't know about that. And then like the missing child, I'm like, okay, what is happening? Maybe. So it was like, I don't know. I was actively trying to find ways to like this movie, so that might have also helped. It. it was like I was like, no, no, I don't want to be the moron. Maybe I'm just not getting everything. So I don't know. I might be even too kind. Uh, in that, I, did, I I did find it very tough to watch. Um, uh, yeah. But in a good way. Like the body horror is like crazy. Um, and oh, there's some really news. cool stuff. I don't like to watch all of it. Um, but yeah, um, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable in the, in so many ways. But again, I do think there's some interesting ideas being meshed around. Yep. West side story. We were supposed to do an episode on listeners. Sorry. We didn't have an episode last week. That really falls on my shoulders. I got too busy and none of the people who would normally be able to step in and help us out were available um or or didn't want to see the movie uh a lot of my collaborators don't <laughs> like musicals Corey has no interest in it i made her watch the original one for an episode she hated me for that uh, well done. i liked that film come on cory yeah well most it's a beloved musical but cory does not like musicals um i really like west side story um i don't i don't i think i like the old one more collectively i think there's yep. something about the uh I like the studio sets and stuff of the original. It just feels heightened. And this like choosing to make it feel a little more gritty I didn't love because I do think it clashes with the musical side of things. Like I'm you know, you have to accept a lot with a musical and it's hard to do that. So when the sets and the world of the musical look fake, it's easier to buy that it's fake, you know, like that people singing and in choreographed songs um, I also I kind of preferred the uh, the the violence being portrayed as dance in the original musical. Mm-hmm. Where here it's like no, the violence is violence. And is again, I get it, and I think it works in its own way. But it it makes the, the experience less joyful, which maybe it shouldn't be joyful because it is dealing with like race wars and stuff. But that first musical uh, with the Romeo and Juliet backlog of what the story really is right like it's just a it's an allegory or a analog for Romeo and Juliet in New York City in the 50s yeah. um I still liked it a lot I do think the cinematography is gorgeous though in the movie and the I I didn't love the lead performances in West Side Story but I love Riff and I love um Anita is Anita the right Yep, uh, yeah uh, DeBose, the boss the the, the woman who's in Hamilton as one of the, like those two performances are the best. Um, Ziegler is really good, but against Elgore, it's just, it's kind of, he's so boring. Um, yeah. he's not bad. He's just like, it's like, yeah, cool. He man. doesn't
1: have the charisma. I think again, he's, he's, he's an actor who I'd put in the firmly in the, you know, solid category. He's not bad, yeah. but he's not, he's not to me. I know yeah, he's good in baby driver, but he's not leading man kind of, um, vibes for me.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree with that. And then uh, Nine Days worked completely for me. Um, I was so fixated on that film. Uh, one, Zazie Beats is so freaking great in everything she's been in, but I yep. loved her in Nine Days because she gets to be this beacon of hope and optimism that I think is often missing from movies. And it, she's like her character in that is so great. And the, the the last couple of scenes in the movie really worked for me. Um, especially because of that. Uh, And I, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Nine days was so in my wheelhouse. Uh, it's talky philosophical, you know, fantasy. Um, and again, I love Benedict Wong. Like that dude just needs to be in stuff. Like he's so, so fun and charming. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really liked that movie, uh, quite a bit. I, I, I don't think it's available uh, for a while though for, for regular audiences. If I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's out. Oh, um,
1: uh, I, I don't know actually. Cause I procured a, um, a yeah. copy of it, a link of it. But, Cause it came out, well, it came out in the festivals in 2020. So, um,
0: yeah, it's been circulating a bit, but it's been
1: out for a while now. Yeah.
0: Um, but if listeners, if you're able to watch nine days, I recommend it. Um, if you like talky philosophical movies, cause it's definitely existential. Like what is the purpose of life? Like, what are we doing here? Um, and I just love that kind of thing, but in a really cool way, that's, I love how they, the premise of this guy interviewing for those roles. Um, even the, the implied world building that they do, cause there's a lot of unanswered questions about how that world works but I'm really, I really like a lot of the aesthetic choices. Like the fact that it's still like old school tube TVs and VHS yeah. recorders is a fun choice. You know, he, it could have just been digital. Like it, it could have been anything. It didn't have to be that. It could have just been a wall of screens. You know what I'm saying? But like they went analog and I'm like, that's a cool aesthetic choice. Like it's just cool. Um, anyways, I've watched a bunch of other stuff. Um, Matt, the worst person in the world. I'm not calling you that. It's a I was going
1: to say, come on. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, I really love this movie. It's a neon release. Um, I actually thought it was going to be more of like a satire on rom-coms. I thought it was going to be more like poignant and funny. It is funny. There's humor in it, but I actually found it to be uh, like, I was thinking more of the before trilogy while watching this at the end of the film, I was thinking more of like this romance and this sincere, you know, person trying to figure themselves out and making tons of bad choices but you you connect and the performances are great it's uh it's so good um really really clicked a lot of my buttons the more i've i've, I've not been able to stop thinking about it since i watched it and i've seen two other movies since i watched it so like t- tons of other things to think about but um i caught the tragedy of Macbeth, the joel cohen the first i believe his first solo uh, uh i think outing, so. um without ethan and uh a lot of the regular Cohen players, um, the, the most recent cinematographer whose name I'm not going to remember, but not Deakins, but he, he's done like Inside Llewyn Davis with them. He did Buster Scruggs with them. Um, so you get this gorgeous black and white four three aspect ratio with these amazing lights and shadows. Like the he is dancing with lights and shadows in this movie. I mean, they are gorgeous shots. But um, I, I don't know Macbeth that well of us. It's not a Shakespeare story. I've reread. I read it once. I didn't teach this one cause I taught ninth grade English. I didn't teach 10. Um, so I'm not as familiar with the Shakespearean language. So I found that to be really difficult. I thought mm-hmm. the acting was great. I thought they were delivering the lines really well. Denzel is fantastic as Macbeth. What a cool casting choice. Yes. Um, most of the actors do not try for British accents unless they are British. Um, so like they're not you know going i I know it should be scottish by the way i'm aware but you know i'm saying like no one's going for accents like they're just doing their voice with the shakespearean dialogue um i i i like it i was a little bored um it is short Mm -hmm. for a shakespearean play uh and a prestige film it's under it's under two hours uh just over 90 minutes i did find i was i wasn't following everything to be fair i've been i watched this at where like I have found the last couple of days my at about three o'clock I'm ready for a nap, <laughs> yeah. and it, it was the end of the movie, and that's when I started feeling like I could go to sleep. Um, so I don't know if it was just me uh, being overtired. I have not recovered from my my double feature of Matrix Spider Man on Thursday night because I didn't get home till like two a.m. and I had to get up to go to work at six. <sighs> so I've not fully recovered from the four hours of sleep I got go that night. Um, but nevertheless, uh, Tragedy Macbeth is a gorgeous film with great acting. It, it, it feels like maybe it's missing something to not just be like people reading lines. It is very much like we've read a bunch of lines and gorgeous cinematography, black and white, you know, sets. Okay. It's
1: missing a soul.
0: It's missing something. I don't know for sure what, but that and maybe it was my understanding, to be fair. It did feel like I felt very much like Larry the Cable Guy watching. I was like, yeah, <laughs> the, you're smart. I, I say get her done. That's, our, that's where we're at here. <laughs> um, uh, I watched Drive My Car. Yes, I had a feeling about this movie, Matt. Um, there I'm was so excited like, for this. The first time I saw Hero with uh, Sam Elliott, um, I watched it on a Sunday morning with a cup of coffee, and it was one of the most enjoyable experiences I've ever had watching a screener on a computer. I just sat there drinking my coffee, feeling very much in the vibe of this movie, and I had like mm-hmm. like drive my car feels like maybe that's where I want to watch this is early in the morning. So I woke up at six a.m. yesterday, Ooh. made my coffee, made a bowl of uh, keto friendly cereal put the movie on knowing it was a three hour movie. And I was, I was so right. I was so engrossed in the film. It yes. was, it's not as relaxing as I thought it would be. Actually. Mm-hmm. It's its kind of, it's not stressful. It's not a thriller or anything, but like crap is happening. There's draw. I thought I honestly thought it was going to be a three hour road trip movie where it was just a dude in the car talking to You're his driver. It. <laughs> yeah. it is not that there is a driver. There are scenes in cars. It is a lot of talking, but there's tons of scenes tons of time passes like i i had a complete misreading of what this movie was going to be i loved it though i it's it's oh, yes um i believe it's tuna's favorite film of the year i don't think it's quite that high for me but it is in my top 10 um it's definitely Damn. my favorite international foreign language film i i was really engrossed with it and it is about art it, it in a lot of ways which always is a as a thing i love i love movies about art which some mm-hmm. people, that's a critical negative, right? Like immediately, like, oh, how pretentious! It's like, yeah, but I do think art's important. That's why I spend so many hours of my life consuming and critiquing and trying to teach other people how to create it. Yep, because I think it's important. I think it's valuable. I think it's a way of expressing, you know, human emotion in a more universal way. It's a way of communicating the most your feelings.
1: Way you can do it almost,
0: and drive my car to me is that it's so universal, so personal. Oh um, man! With I'm some so so really cool that. You
1: and Tuna liked it.
0: Yeah, I definitely check it out as soon as you're able to. Um, I caught The Souvenir Part 2. I was not a huge fan of the first Souvenir, but not because I thought it was bad. I I generally, I have a lot of what the movie's doing, I think I am at odds with uh, on an emotional level, like inherently. Like, I think we're supposed to be sympathetic towards a character that I could not find any sympathy for because of my own personal experiences with people. Yeah. I, I had not identified that until talking to Tuna about how much I didn't want to watch the second one. i I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, but I didn't, I don't even remember the first one. Like I blocked it out because I was just like, it was not, I just remember feeling uncomfortable and unhappy watching it. And, um, so I finally, I did, I did watch the second one. The second one's more, it is a direct continuation and it's very cool. And I didn't, I've read a lot about the souvenirs, the both movies and, and the director, Joanna Hogg, since uh watching the first one like uh, kind of as i was getting the second one and then uh w- while i was watching it i was like reading some things and it gave me a greater understanding of the movies and i think i need of to course. maybe rewatch both um i do think it they're very very good i they're very very personal and i didn't realize that until afterwards um but the second one's got a little bit more air of humor and definitely more of the filmmaking side of the the story so that clicked for me more um so i think that's what really helped it in my take, in my interpretation, so I definitely enjoyed the second one more uh, on my first viewing than I did the first. Um,
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: Diving into some documentaries, uh, I watched the Lost Leonardo, which somehow I knew nothing about this. But there was a Leonardo da Vinci painting discovered like within the last decade.
1: Um, I had no idea. Also, I'll just throw that in as well.
0: Yeah, it's a, a it's they it's like the brother painting to the Mona Lisa, except it's of Jesus Christ. Um, and there was a whole yeah uh the whole dispute of whether it was actually da vinci's and then like how much money it sold for on the auction which is insane um it's a it's a crazy documentary it's pretty cool uh there's some interesting stuff in it um then i caught uh julia which is a documentary about julia childs yeah yeah love this so much dude i am i i knew a lot about her because of julia and julia um but man uh it was up there for me, like with the storytelling and like the, I was just so captivated and I found Julia Giles is just like an interesting figure. Like, you know, her as the cook probably, but like her, there was like, she, she took some stances politically that were very controversial. Um, I just, I was really on board. I had a great time watching this and learning more about her as a person. Um, nice. I think also as a documentary, I think it's constructed. Interestingly, uh, they they have a lot of like journal entries and stuff or like letters, but they they take like single lines from it and display it as like written text on the screen. Um, and I thought that was really cool. Like visually, I I, I liked it a lot. Julia actually uh, was a, was one of my favorite docs of the year so far. Um, right. And
1: you're a documentary then, king now.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm actually really behind on docs this year. and I didn't realize it until I was having to pick five. I'm like, uh. I got two. Well, let me see what I can do. Um, <laughs> yeah. I caught the Velvet Underground because that's what we're covering on the movie club. Nice. Um, uh, it's a documentary about the band, the Velvet Underground that I knew pretty much nothing about. Um, no, it, but not an awful lot. It's, it's interesting. Uh, it, it's, I think Todd Haynes is the director um, who he also did Velvet Goldmine, which I for years can thought was the same thing it is not apparently a weird coincidence that he directed both. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a good documentary. Um, I'll be talking more about that on movie club this week. So I'll, I'll save that, uh, for that. Um, I caught, come on, come on. The Joaquin Phoenix, um, kid movie. Uh, very good. good. Yeah. I like it. Um, emotional, uh, there were some things in it that annoyed me, which is why it's not like a must see for me. Um, it's just under, like I, I would put not quite golden. Joaquin is great in it. Uh, not surprisingly. Um, the lost daughter, uh, which is on Netflix now, I believe, uh, is the new Olivia Coleman movie, mm-hmm. uh, debut for Maggie Gyllenhaal as a writer director. Yes. It's really good. I don't fully think I, I understood what it was trying to say. And mm-hmm. so I didn't okay. connect with it as much as I would have liked to. Um, looking to have some conversations about that movie with some other people. Maybe I'll understand things a little better. Um, Caught the new Sean Baker film, Red Rocket. Uh, I'm a big Sean Baker fan. Uh, I think I've seen all of his movies at this point. Um, I might be missing a couple. I haven't seen his shorts, but Starlet, I think, was the only movie I hadn't seen and I have seen now. Uh, Red Rocket is actually very much in line with Starlet, I think, um, in a lot of ways, because it's also about the porn industry. Uh, But this time you're following a washed up male porn star played by Simon Rex, who is surprisingly really good in this because he's kind of been a joke. He's in a lot of the scary movie movies, like, but not the first two. He's like in three onward and he's in a lot of the parody, like superhero movie and crap like that. Um, I feel like he was a VJ on MTV, but I can't find anything to prove that. Uh, I haven't made a lot of effort, but um, everyone else is mostly either non-actors or like, this is their second movie kind of thing as bakers want to do. Um, and excellent at doing, he is so good at that. Him and Chloe Zhao, both of doing this kind of blockumentary where it's like a fictional film that feels like a documentary in a lot of ways, but you know, um, this movie it's, it's crazy. It's definitely hard. R, um, not as hard as R as it could have been, but still like there's a lot of, there's nudity of both male and female. Um, not as again, not as much as you would have expected given the premise, but um, it is troubling uh, in a lot of ways. Licorice Pizza is also getting some of these similar criticisms because it does deal with an underage character being involved in a relationship with an you know an adult. Um, but so there's controversy there. Uh, although this one, it's skating a thin line of legal versus not legal, but. Um, it's also set in 2016 in Texas right before the election. So there's some little commentary about that election and everything, uh, kind of sewn into the, the surface of the Americana of the film. Um, but man, it's, it's great. Uh, Baker did it again. The dudes, he's, he's a genius. I think, uh, you know, obviously, it doesn't mean you're going to feel good watching his movies. Um, I think that's part of his genius is he's like, no, no, I'm going to hold a mirror up to society, and you're going to have to just feel things, and you may not like them, but you're going to see things, and you're going to react to those things. Well, here uh, it is, honestly. and it looks good at the same time. And then, uh, lastly, um, I, was, I saved this one for last. Sing two. I actually watched Sing just before watching Sing two. I had not seen it. Um, it came out in 2016. I've
1: seen the first one, yeah, I didn't mind it
0: these movies work for me on such a high level. I, I was totally surprised. Not, I shouldn't have been surprised because I am a sucker for music. Again, it's, it's art is the, the pathway to knowing oneself, right? Like that's what <laughs> yep. these movies are all about. And I, I believe that wholeheartedly, um, like completely. I, I have always attached to some type of art, whether it's music or movies or something else. And the power of art to me is so important. So of course it works for me and i think you get some really great character development in both movies and the thing i love about Sing 2 so many sequels reset all the changes from the previous movie like the, as if they never happened yeah and that drives me crazy right like if you yep. just take 90 minutes or an hour and a half that is the same thing or an hour and 20 minutes oh my god 2 hours is what i'm trying <laughs> to say 120 <laughs> minutes if you take that much time with me and we watch characters go through stuff and they, they change. And then the next movie is just back to the beginning again. Mm-hmm. That frustrates me so much. I want yeah. to see their story continue. And I think this thing too, does a really good job of taking those individual quirks that we saw from these characters and not just rehashing. It, it was like, they've, they've grown a little bit, but they're not solved. They still have that personality trait. Like I, I, I use Mina in my review as an example, Mina's the elephant. Yep. She's super shy, really great voice, wants to sing, but is embarrassed, can't sing in front of people. So they take that shyness. It's like, well, what's another area an introvert might have to deal with? Oh, love. Mm -hmm. And so her centerpiece of Sing, too, is like she's now exploring that side of her life. Like, what about being in a relationship? How, How can I, if I don't even feel comfortable in my own skin, how could I possibly interact with someone else that I think is cute or whatever? And I think they do a really good job. And again, it's not resetting her. Cause that wasn't her conflict of the first movie. It's a logical con- next step is like, mm-hmm. I've, I've broken one barrier with my introvertedness. What's the next thing. And um, I think they do a good job with all of those things. And I want to give props to Matthew McConaughey. Cause if anyone in Hollywood has a distinctive voice, it's that guy, right? Yeah, right. I'm right. I'm right. And I did not realize he was the koala to like halfway through the first movie. And I was like, he, he got mad. And I'm like, that sounds like McConaughey. And I was like, Oh my God. That is McConaughey. I would have never replace that because he's done some other voice acting. The one I'll use is uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Yeah, he's just McConaughey in that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he just sounds like. I love that movie, but he's not trying to do anything different. He's being McConaughey and saying he's he's not. Thank God, he's not doing an Australian accent, but he's just being a character. He's being Buster. Yep, and I like that oh, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's collective. I think the voice cast is phenomenal. Um, they bring in a few uh, um, a few new people in this one. Uh, John C. Riley doesn't return, and that made me sad because I like him in the oh, first okay. movie. But um, anywho, that's what I've watched. I, there's other movies. Uh, follow me on Letterboxd to see everything that I'm watching. Because I'm watching a lot right now, getting ready for the uh, our vote for the Florida, uh, sorry, the Critics Association of Central Florida, um, the CACF, mm-hmm. uh, which I am a member, and so so grateful for that group. In um, between that, thing. John's
1: going to celebrate Christmas as well. We
0: celebrate <laughs> Christmas. It's
1: time for Christmas. as I drive my car. I've just had a little looky. It's playing in in smaller art house theaters within a twenty mile radius. I'm going to do mm. my utmost to try and get out and you know get out and see it.
0: I will say, just a heads up. It is not inherently a happy movie.
1: No, I don't believe it would be. No, from what I know about it, which is little, but from what you've said and from. Uh, synopsis and just little things you've got to pick up on it, yeah i'm not go- i'm not going and expecting a a joyous but, blast
0: but 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 i do think there's hope in it i think that's one of the things it, it's not it's not a dour cynical like look at the world either i think there is a lot of optimism and hope that can be taken from it but also grip grappling with the realities of life that are sometimes complex and challenging uh, it's, it's really brilliant um last thing though I did catch. I am caught up on Hawkeye, uh, episode six. Drops tomorrow, the last episode. I'm so excited! Can't wait to see the finale. Matt, I got to tell you, man. I know you're busy, <laughs> but you have fallen behind now on two series, right? You, you, you haven't watched uh,
1: What If, and Loki. You didn't see Loki? Oh, my friend, my friend. I've Loki, I haven't seen. See What If? To me, I mean, I, I was never really into the. I think What If's a cool idea. And I would say the same of it as star Wars or whatever. Uh, It is a fine idea, but I'm not as fast. Loki. Here's the thing.
0: Uh, Here's the thing with what if in the comics, the what if has always been a standalone random one shot type of deal. Yeah. The series is not that the series is multiverse stuff. And that is the important distinction. It's not, this doesn't happen, or what if this happened. It is, no, no. These things did happen in a different, in a different timeline. Universe, it's yeah. more like, what if we turned left instead of right? This gotcha. is what we would have got. And we did get in another dimension, which I only say all of this because they have now made it canonical to the an upcoming MCU movie. And it's if you saw Spider-Man far, uh-huh. uh, No Way Home... Yes. And okay. you saw the very last post credit scene without saying what it is. Yep. What if it's important to that? that I am, now I'm going to
1: watch it. See, Hawkeye excites me. This is going to, this is going to sound awful, but take a Hawkeye excites me because Hayley Steinfeld and Florence Pugh are in it. That is enough yes. to get me to watch it. Not really. Uh, well, partly for that reason, because they are two very attractive women, but they are two fabulous actresses. That, that is a good actor. Oh. I've always found them to be a bit vanilla, but, um, uh, i will watch hawkeye i will watch I, Rogue, and what whatever, then hawkeye
0: i love hawkeye like i as a, okay. i i clearly i clearly like characters who are kind of human um mm-hmm. i like that it's one of the reasons I like batman it's one reason like iron man hawkeye is even cooler in a lot of ways because he has less than both of those guys right like, he has <laughs> almost nothing like bow and arrow. Um, and, but he's so good at it he's so good at it and this show emphasizes that but i also think it shows the darker side of the character um there's a lot of references to his relationship with um with black widow yep um i think renner is perfect in this role i agree with you but there is something about him that i've always found very watchable and i think that's on showcase especially against haley steinfeld who is so charismatic right mm. like she's so charismatic and she's even nitpicking him for not being charismatic enough in the show like it's it's <laughs> part of like she's like constantly like i think it's your branding and he's just like looking at her like what are you i'm not trying to be famous like i thought my whole (laughs) thing for most of my career is that i'm clandestine like no one knew i was a thing (laughs) like okay that sounds fun it's so dude their dynamic is excellent and then as it's kind of it's not a spoiler because she's now been in two episodes but florence Pugh does show up and is is just owning the role so well of that character, whose name I, I cannot ever remember. Elena. Belova. Uh, Elena. She's so great in it. And, um, she, she owns it. I love her. Instagram stuff has been a lot about Hawkeye. I just, I'm loving it. Uh, I really, She's really great. like the show a lot. Hope it ends strong. Um, episode five has a major reveal in it. That was excellent. I don't, I'm assuming we're going to deal with it in episode six.
1: Um, Uh, So I'm aware of the reveal and um, I'm aware apparently they are going to reveal how it ties into the the wider universe as well.
0: Well, so interesting without again, without spoiling Hawkeye episode five or Spider-Man No Way Home. That episode drops Wednesday. Spider-Man comes out Thursday, but Mm -hmm. I had already seen Spider-Man on Tuesday. So when I saw Hawkeye, I had information that the rest of the world didn't have yet. And so it was like a different experience uh for me and i I, again not the rest of the world there's a lot of people who've seen spider-man but the majority of the world had not so that's what i mean um but nevertheless that was uh what i've been watching i know it was a long list this week folks but it's been uh we missed a whole week so i had extra stuff on my list this is a long episode i didn't realize how long we'd gone into this um anywho uh before we wrap up we have to talk about how we're saying bloody awesome which this time of year in 2021 it's not easy to say bloody awesome folks um, it always takes a little bit of work, but I think right now Matt and I are finding it uh, a little even more effort-inducing to get to where we need to be. So, Matt, how have you been staying bloody awesome?
1: By not doing anything, John. That's important. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, no, but it's, I've been staying bloody awesome by looking after number one, my friend, which is why I haven't been on the show, uh, looking after myself, checking myself mentally, making sure that I'm where I need to be, which at a minute I'm not. But it's been great to come on and chat films and you know spider-man helped i mentioned earlier on the, the sheer joy of seeing just seeing spider-man on the big screen with that crowd and all you know the um, the emotion of it the spectacle of it really helped and that's what one thing why i've always loved the movies it's it's that uh, it, it's that separation from reality it, it's that uh, escapism that they offer which is very much needed my friend so taking I've so been taking time out for many things in fact all any any shows I do and things like that as well so just to try and you know get back to well firstly the bloody awesome levels of previous it weeks and months and years but also I think it's it's important sometimes that we all do that you know sit back take stock and re- recognize when you know maybe things aren't going well don't push it take the time and um that's pretty much what I've been doing is um you know, I've been checking my checking myself, John. That's what I've been doing.
0: I think we don't do that enough. I think, uh, we probably as a collective, we need to be one willing to rest. Um, I think there's this push where we always have to keep going, going, going. I'm guilty of doing that to myself. Uh, as I mentioned uh, with my four hours of <laughs> sleep. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it's important, um, that everybody, uh, you know, I always like to reference the, the old air, the airplane philosophy, right? Like you got to put your oxygen mask on first, before you put on your neighbors because if you don't you can't help them if you're if you pass out you know you got to make sure you're okay um so in that regard uh there is a tiktok guy i don't i don't remember his name he's something like a viking Uh, he looks like a viking he does like um he's a nutritionalist he does like food tips and health things i might have talked about him on the show before but uh he had a tiktok a while back where he showed a a pile of strawberries and then a, a couple of cookies and he's like this many strawberries is the same calories as the cookies. And he goes, the strawberries will fill your stomach. The cookies will fill your heart. Sometimes you just got to eat the damn cookie. (laughs) And for the last, you know, for all of my life, I've struggled with weight. And for the last three years, I've been on a weight loss journey. Um, I've made major changes and, uh, this time of year is always really hard because food is everywhere and it's never good food as in see I, I i someone pointed out to me that i assign moral qualities to food like good and bad and that's kind of ridiculous And <laughs> not, i'm not alone in that but it is weird that we like act like a food has done something wrong like go sit in the corner cookie yeah, you're I not healthy that all the
1: time it all the foods i used to eat uh, yeah. oh i'd say ask
0: bad food that is it's not it's the best food yes Right. And it's, and it's not the food. It's not even that as bad. Is, does it have more calories? Yes. But you know what? Sometimes it's okay to indulge. I may have indulged a little too much this week. I, I am planning uh, to really buckle down the next couple of months. COVID threw me off the weight loss and I've just been on maintaining for the last year and a half. Um, almost two now. Uh, but I want to really buckle down and go for the loss. I want to hit my goal weight. I'm 30 pounds away from doing it. Um, but this week because it's Christmas and it's family time, my daughter, my wife and, and my daughter's boyfriend, Dylan, who's part of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, we made cookies the oh, other night. Yes. Uh, we're not, we're not bakers. So we bought like the prepackaged, add, you know, a little bit of liquid or butter and egg and make yeah, the cookie dough a, kind of thing. But we cook- made some yeah. sugar cookies, made some chocolate chip cookies oh. and, uh, they're, they're almost gone. Um, we've <laughs> eaten way too many cookies, uh, the last couple of days. Um, I couldn't help myself, uh, but I kept telling myself once they're gone, there's no more. <laughs> so <Yeah>. at least <laughs> that way, you know, uh, it's one way to think about it is like, you're not going to replace these with more cookies. These are going to be gone and then you don't have to worry about it. And I'm still exercising and stuff. In fact, I'm probably going to go run as soon as we're done recording here. Um, Cause it rained all morning. It really wrecked my whole day. Uh, plan wise. I had a plan to the run. Shot
1: of joy. The cookies gave helped,
0: but it, it is important folks. I think as much I want, I obviously you can get into like the the logistics of why do we feel like you have to be a certain way or, you know, whatever. And obviously there are health things, but it's not inherently healthier to be like overly skinny either. Like there's, it's all, it's it's more about like your own feelings. I don't feel good about myself when I'm overweight and I'm still technically overweight, but I feel pretty good about myself overall now and a half for about a year. I still, those, those things of doubt will creep in, but people like that guy on TikTok whose name I really wish I did know right now. But um, I love this movement to not not make you feel bad about eating a cookie or not make you feel bad about not being, like, not looking like this person or not, you know, or having a French fry or, or you know, what like, because it, it shouldn't be. We, you shouldn't beat yourself up for it. And I think that's part of the same bloody awesome thing, you know. Um, I am trying to be comfortable with who I am. And I don't want to die young, and that's why I exercise. Not not because I want to look like you know Chris Hemsworth or whatever. You know, um, I, I just I want to live. I want to live a long life. I, I you know I'm, I'm almost forty. I'd like to I'd like to hit eighty, if not later. You know, what I'm saying? so um, if exercise <laughs> yeah. can get me there, cool. But if every once in a while I'm going to eat a cookie, I want to be able to eat that cookie and not hate myself afterwards. And that's, that's oh, a hard man, I place needed to, be. to hear that. I
1: needed to hear that because I need to get, I am, I am, I am off everything at the minute. Anything apart from replacement, like shakes and stuff like that. And like that. So it's nice to know that, you know, Be Like Book is still valid.
0: You know what, man? It's exactly. And I, I wish I could take credit, but I'm going to give credit to that guy because I, that, that little TikTok made a lot of sense to me. Um, again, he's not saying eat the cookie all the time, but like sometimes you need a damn cookie and it's okay. It's okay. You you didn't ruin anything. Cause guess what? You can not eat a cookie the next day. Like it's, it's that easy. You can have a cookie and then not have a cookie the next day and you're okay. the one cookie did not destroy anything. It didn't put you back months, you know? Um, and there are a lot of fear mongering nutritionalists out there. And I think that's, that's a shame. We shouldn't try to guilt people into to health because it's not sustainable. Fear will only make you hide the things you're doing wrong. Right. Like it'll make you sneak cookies at two in the morning and hope nobody catches you kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, that's what I've been doing to stay bloody awesome. And folks, we hope you're staying bloody awesome. Uh, We are probably going to be back next week Uh, for sure. I will be back. uh, If Matt needs another week, we'll see. Um, But I also don't know if you're gonna be able to see the matrix resurrections uh, easily uh
1: um, it comes out i think it comes out on christmas eve so it would well friday yeah christmas eve It comes out
0: so but i'm saying uh, uh like i know i live in florida we are acting like nothing's happening i know that like other countries uh, slowly things are shutting down again so i don't know if that's like on the forefront for you no
1: it's masks uh wearing masks in theater other than that it's just kind of you know just take precautions but I don't, there's, there's certainly be no rumblings that I don't think that they're going to be shutting them down at least not in the next week or two.
0: Well, I hope that stays the case. Um, as long as people are being safe. Um, but what we'll be back in some capacity next week to talk matrix resurrections. I've already seen it. <laughs> you lucky
1: man. Spoiler.
0: Possibly. I really love it. And, oh man. <laughs> Um, we'll talk about it later, but, uh, well, you can follow us on social media in the meantime, um, on Instagram, we're at bloody awesome movie pod and Twitter. Where are we at Matt?
1: Uh, BAMP underscore podcast, B A M P underscore
0: podcast, uh, Facebook. You can search bloody awesome movie podcast individually, burkreviews.com and at Burke on all the social media platforms, including letterbox folks. If you listen to this podcast and you're not on letterbox, what are you even doing? Let's see what you're watching. Yeah. Matt, where can they find you?
1: Uh, what i watched tonight.co.uk what i Watch tonight across all the socials and Letterboxed. and are you even a film fan if you don't Letterboxed?
0: and if you like what we're doing here at the bloody awesome movie podcast we ask that you take a minute and give the five-star rating in fact if you could go over to anchor.fm and give us the five-star rating because they just added that feature over there oh, nice. but if you listen to us on spotify or if you listen to us on itunes or whatever they call that now because they keep changing the names of all their things um hook us up with that five-star rating if you like what we're doing because it helps other listeners find us and with that we encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome